Donald Trump has been acquitted. They did not find him guilty in the Senate. He once again avoided conviction by the U.S. Senate because his fellow Republicans, by and large, stuck by his side from the BBC. That, at its most basic level, is a win for the president. He is still eligible to run for president again in 2024. So, this edition of The Adrian Slade Show, breaking the news that Donald Trump is acquitted and might be able to run in 2024. Maybe it'll be DeSantis, or maybe it'll be America's governor, Andrew Cuomo. We're going to get into Andrew Cuomo here on The Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's The Adrian Slade Show. America's governor is back, baby. That's right. Andrew Cuomo back in the saddle again. And he's actually what? He could be our next president. Yeah, Fredo's brother could be our next president. The guy with the uh, the nipple ring and the Camaro. He kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, Billy Madison where Adam Sandler's leaned up against that car. He's in high school now. He's got his REO Speedwagon shirt on. He just thinks he is the coolest thing. Not only is he super suave and rad, he, he is very inspiring. He has such an inspiring message for America, his adulation of America and its greatness. And look, the simple point is all this comes down to this. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. Yeah, America was never really that great. Not even if you were a governor who decided to mandate that the elderly and the sickest among us are shoved into nursing homes so that they can spread around an infectious disease. Because what do you get out of it? Well, you don't get condemned for the death of tons of people. You don't get accosted for the fact that you basically killed off a Fox News weather lady's uh, in-laws, Janice Dean, you don't get blasted for a crappy response because you're a Democrat governor. So you get an Emmy. You get to write a book about your response, even though after the book was published, your numbers went back up, the deaths went back up. You get to be lionized and praised. Well, that praise is going to start to die down. And really, if you really want to talk about the praise of Andrew Cuomo about how Joy Reid and uh, well, uh, what's Joy Behar too? Um, they went on and on talking about how great Andrew Cuomo is, and just the 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 headlines and the tweets from news agencies. It's just sickening when you go through and read them all. But I mean, they just praised him left and right. So let's take a look at some of this praise. CNN. Quote, real death is real, right? Economic death is not death. The economy, we can figure it out. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo reacts to the idea of risking getting coronavirus to save one's business, adding, quote, death is still the ultimate problem in life. Anything else we can fix. The president wants to be optimistic. He wants to see those markets come back, says uh, 
Governor Cuomo, on why Trump and the medical experts differ on possible coronavirus return. Medical experts who are just giving you facts, they're all saying it could come back in the fall. For 111 consecutive days, New York Governor Cuomo sat before PowerPoint slides and graphs of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic in America. On Friday, he delivered his final briefing of the crisis. CNN again, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on President Trump's false claims. More testing is behind the rise in the coronavirus cases. Quote, it's factually bogus. You could say whatever you want to say, he said. It's bogus. Well, let's go on. Brian Stelter, we are standing by for Cuomo's daily briefing. We'll show it live on CNN whenever it starts. Governor Cuomo gets it right, describing the reopening debate. The economy is functioning. We never turned it off. We turned it away, way down. Reopening equals recalibrating what is essential. You'll start to open the valve on the economic activity very slowly. He goes on. This virus is a great equalizer. Here's what Andrew Cuomo said about, quote, my best friend, brother Chris Cuomo, testing positive for coronavirus. He will be fine. Governor Cuomo, quote, this is a profound moment in history. Our actions are going to shape our future. Huh. Chris Cezilla, how Andrew Cuomo became one of the most important voices in the coronavirus crisis. He goes on, everyone needs to see Andrew Cuomo's inspiring words on the fight against coronavirus. Cuomo often came under criticism for being essentially a terrific bureaucrat. But it's that intimate knowledge of the state and its government apparatus that has served him extremely well in this moment. Chris Cuomo. I don't usually cover my brother, but tonight it's not about politics. It's about Cuomo dealing with everything that this country is facing and will face with the coronavirus. We'll get the latest on what you need to know. (laughs) And then look at MSNBC, New York Governor Cuomo on New York's recent reopening the New York Uh, New York now has the lowest infection rate in the United States. Following the science works. It saves lives and it's better for the economy because the economic opening is sustainable as opposed to these fits and starts. Um, Let's go on here. Joy Reid retweeting my pinned tweet as I listen to Governor Cuomo. Hire your political leaders wisely, America. Be like New York. And her pinned tweet was, When you elect a president, you are hiring a crisis manager, not a religious savior, an entertainer, or a friend. That's it. That's the tweet. I hate that. I hate seeing that. Sorry. Personal issue of mine. That's it. That's the tweet. It's just stupid. Here's Joy Reid again. On the other end of the Trump spectrum, this coronavirus crisis has shown some politicians at their best, principally. So let's talk about, I could go on, there's tons of these, Huffington Post, I mean, that that could go on all day. Hat tip to Drew Holden, follow him on Twitter because he compiled all those. Um, But yeah, so basically we were told that the New York numbers, uh, especially in nursing homes, were overstated and that it wasn't as bad and that it wasn't due to the mandate that Governor Cuomo issued. So basically the pandemic hits, the coronavirus going out of control as a uh, Jim, uh, or actually, uh, as Dana Carvey from SNL when he was doing George H. Bush, coronavirus coming to get you, thousand points of light. Um, so it hits America. He goes, "Hey, don't worry, you can still go shop. Go down to uh, Times Square." And then the lockdowns begin, and suddenly Cuomo is out there. 
he's making hand sanitizer. <laughs> Remember when he hired his prison staff to make hand sanitizer? And he's talking about, well, you know, it's very floral and uh, we, we can make it for cheaper than most people. Yeah, because you're using prison labor. But this guy, he mandates that all the elderly has to be shoved into these nursing homes and then it spreads like wildfire and all these people with uh, coexisting pre pre-existing conditions and mor- morbid- morbidities and what have you they they all end up dying and they try to say oh it's a bit overstated there well this is from the blaze bombshell report says thousands more coronavirus patients were sent to nursing homes than Cuomo previously admitted the numbers are skyrocketing A report from the Associated Press documenting thousands more of coronavirus cases being sent to nursing homes under New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is being described as a bombshell for his administration. The report says that new documents show that more than 9,000 recovering patients were sent to the nursing homes early in the pandemic. That figure would be about 40% higher than originally reported by the New York State Health Department. Cuomo has been under fire in recent weeks over reports that the deaths in nursing homes for the coronavirus were uh, far higher than his administration reported. When Cuomo was confronted about the startling report, he angrily dismissed it and said it didn't matter where the people died. (laughs) The new documents obtained by AP show that the health department had previously only reported new cases of the coronavirus that were sent to nursing homes. The higher statistic takes into account previously unreleased numbers of coronavirus patients that were readmissions into nursing homes. Cuomo faced fierce criticism over the order on March 25th to admit the coronavirus patients into nursing homes when the pandemic deaths were peaking in New York. He later rescinded that order in May 10th. Fox News meteorologist Janice Dean excoriated Cuomo over the alarming revelation. Dean's in-laws both died of the coronavirus that they caught while at a New York nursing home after Cuomo's order. Unbelievable. This guy. And you know what? He is lionized. I mean, they, they praise this guy all the time. And what they're doing to Ron DeSantis in Florida What they're doing to him is unbelievable because he started looking into the numbers. He started looking into the the sampling testing rates. He started looking into how the the data was being provided directly by his government and decided, we're going to open it back up. We're not going to shut down and kill our economy. We're also in a warm state where this type of disease doesn't thrive well. And now he is being attacked. In fact, President Biden is talking about eliminating traffic and air travel to Florida. Isn't that insane? You're not going to be able to travel to Florida when it's the most freest state in the union right now. You don't have to wear a mask. Um, You can live your life. And the numbers in Florida are down. It's amazing. So to give you an idea, Stuber Gear wrote this in the New York Post, um, As COVID-19 was spreading at breakneck speeds throughout New York, Governor Cuomo took a bold and brave action to stem the crisis, the vaping crisis. (laughs) On March 3rd, Cuomo held an anti-vaping rally in Albany, complete with a hashtag, hashtag no vape New York. Too bad he didn't think of that hashtag to fight off COVID-19. Instead, Cuomo spent most of March delivering one simple message to the people of New York, stop worrying so much. Cuomo would routinely communicate the epidemiological equivalent of chillax, spouting various versions of the same line, quote, the fear, the panic is bigger than the problem of the virus, he told New Yorkers starving for uh, reliable information about the reality is reassuring. Um, 
and that the facts don't merit the level of anxiety we're seeing. He flippantly declared, quote, we have more people in this country dying from the flu, and this is not the Ebola virus. Well, that's true that COVID-19 isn't the Ebola virus. In fact, COVID-19 would go on to kill more people in New York in just the first two weeks of April than Ebola has worldwide. But it wasn't just downplaying of the virus that caused damage. It was his wild and inconsistent decision-making. As Cuomo has embarked on his eight-month campaign of self-aggrandizement, he has continually criticized the slow reaction of President Trump. But on March 16th, as Trump advocated for the national shutdown, Cuomo actually resisted. Instead, he limited the allowable size of gatherings to 50, five times Trump's national guidelines. While making this announcement, he said the federal government has, quote, been behind from day one on the crisis. <laughs> Cuomo continued to claim there would, there would be no shutdown on March 17th and 18th. Even on March 19th, he bragged of calming a panicked friend, telling his, his, this likely mythical individual that a shutdown is not going to happen it had happened the very next day. All of this pales in comparison to Cuomo's ghoulish health directive on March 25th, the order forcing nursing homes to import known COVID-19 positive patients while prohibiting the facilities from testing new or returning residents for the virus. Peter Ejman, Cuomo's communications director, would eventually try to justify the policy, telling Fox News the governor was trying to stop nursing homes from discriminating against COVID patients. It's COVID discrimination, guys. Keeping the unaffected away from the infected amid a pandemic isn't discrimination. It's common sense, unless you're Cuomo. So he is lying about the numbers. And now it's come out that the health department said, oh, yeah, there was a lot more of them <laughs> than, you know, than previously stated. And this guy is praised. While Ron DeSantis is down there in Florida doing things the right way, while Christy Nome is doing things in South Dakota the right way, um, the governor of Iowa doing things the right way. And you know what? They get blasted. In fact, I think Ron DeSantis should turn around and, you know, limit traffic for politicians from D.C. coming into Florida. Eliminate anyone trying to fly down for vacay. You know what I'm saying? And then put sanctions on them in the process. I think that's what DeSantis should do. And DeSantis has been doing an amazing job. He's actually... You know, the federal government's not going to do anything about big tech and their censorship. So he said, you know what? I, as a governor, can do it for the state of Florida. And that's exactly what he's doing. He is flipping the premise of what we witnessed for the entire year under the last year of President Trump, where states medically seceded from the union. They medically sealed themselves off and eliminated themselves from the union of the United States, destroying their economies. Governor Newsom's up to 1.5 million signatures on a recall. And that's what we should be doing. Something they tried to do to Scott Walker twice in Wisconsin, and he beat it twice. If you're going to destroy your citizens' lives, it's time for you to get thrown the hell out. And you know what? DeSantis is doing an amazing job because he's just following the science. Ooh, something Republicans never do. He's also taking on tech on a level that he actually can. And I think that's going to be how we're going to have to govern since we're going to have the presidential election stolen from us and we're going to have go uh, we're going to have senators races stolen from us. You know, Ossoff and Warnock and Warnock, he's <laughs> Warnock is coming under fire as well for voter fraud. Listen to this. This is amazing. Raphael Warnock now under investigation for what? Alleged voter registration misconduct. Amazing. This is from uh, 
the post-millennial Warnock is now under investigation for voter registration misconduct for his involvement with an organization founded by Georgia Democrat operative Stacey Abrams. In a unanimous three to zero vote, the Georgia State Election Board decided to go ahead with an investigation into the new Georgia project of which Warnock was a chair in 2019. So the guy who stole his election is now under investigation for voter fraud. You know what? That's the thing. If we're going to have certain states allow themselves to be opened up for fraud using Dominion voting machines and Smartmatic voting systems and electronically adjudicating votes and just eliminating things, I think governors in red states need to show how to govern. And they need to take on things that affect them on the federal level, but do so on the state level. Throw that medical secession right back in their face. Yeah, you don't want Facebook to mess with you? Governor DeSantis can do something about it for his Florida residents. So I think going forward, the federalism approach needs to be looked at a little bit further. But Andrew Cuomo is far from America's governor. He is a giant fraud, and it's coming out that he should actually be in jail for killing so many people with awful mandates. This is Adrian Slade. All right, so I think we need to talk about another douche canoe. This guy is back in the news again, David Hogg. Remember him? He's now he's looking like a 60s beatnik version of David Koresh now. He's got like this scraggly beard, you know, doesn't fill all the way in. Uh, he, he's looking like a soy boy version of Che Guevara, although he doesn't have the hat. But this guy, he's decided to show up again. And what he's doing, it's kind of funny. There's, there's a little bit to it. I'm enjoying it, but I'm also laughing at it, but I'm also uh, using it as a teachable moment. So David Hogg decides, all right, everybody is tired of Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, the guy has a story like you have never heard. If you've never heard the story about how he was smoking crack to the point where crack dealers didn't want to deal to him because he was smoking too much, and this guy was on just skid row. I mean, the guy was just in jail. I think he was jailed a few times. I, he was just a mess. And he had this idea and he gave his life to the Lord and he used that idea and cultivated it. And now he has this gigantic pillow company. But then just like the Goya beans, just like every other instance in the world, if you back Donald Trump, you're a pariah and we must impeach you twice, even though we can't win that impeachment. (laughs) So, no one likes the my pillow guy anymore, except for Trump supporters. And he's out there because he's very convinced on the voter fraud. In fact, if you watch uh, Absolute Proof, go to Mike, I think it's MikeJLindell.com. You can go on Rumble and just search for Absolute Proof and search Mike Lindell and you'll see the video. It's about two hours. I watched it. It was really intriguing. And it basically sums up everything we've talked about on the Adrian Slade show since voter fraud was brought up. The Skydal servers in Frankfurt and, and over in Germany and France and, and the Dominion voting systems and all that stuff. We've talked about it since day one here. So you haven't been wasting your time if you're listening to me, even though you may not know who the hell I am. <laughs> but Mike Lindell, there's now a push 
for a new pillow on the left. And guess who's going to give us that pillow? Everyone's favorite pillow biter, David Hogg. David Hogg, he's going to make a pillow. Let's hear David Hogg talk about said pillow. Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you know an update about the pillow company. Will and I met with a lot of different uh, mentors today from the soft product industry to, you know, basically pillow experts uh, to just marketing and people that knew a lot about business and just asked them uh, a lot of questions. And, um, you know, one thing that we realized was that we're, we're not going to start out selling a million pillows instantly uh, because we want to have a focus on quality. So what that means is it might take us, you know, a month. It might take us two months, maybe three even. Um, but we are going to make um, a quality pillow that people can sleep on at night and feel good about. Um, that is made here in the United States with union labor um, and is sustainably sourced. And we're going to take as long as it does um, for us to get that together uh, to provide a quality product uh, to help you sleep at night. So, yeah, that was today's update. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we start we, we might start from humble origins, um, but that's where that's where giant, um, you know, companies end up coming from, too. You got to start somewhere. So thank you all for your support and know that we are really trying to get this as quickly as possible. But more than anything, we're trying to do it right. Oh, David Hogg's going to use sustainable, sustainable products. The good, the good pillow, the good pillow. It's going to be crafted from sustainable materials made from the finest kale and recycled tampons. You know, tampons passed out by the United Nations in the name of menstruation rights. And he actually has a manifesto now on his website, goodpillow.co. Maybe it's .com. Maybe it didn't fit. It says, read our manifesto. Coming soon. Stay tuned, Dave and Will. And then he's got this little quote. Will says, sorry if the website has bugs. He's been up all night, and we didn't even have the logo this morning. That's from David. Check out their, check out their slogan. We like pillows who don't overthrow the U.S. government. What is that? We like pillows that don't overthrow the U.S. government. That's a winning marketing slogan right there. That's, I mean, that's like all beef, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame bun that doesn't overthrow the U.S. government. What the hell is that? And never mind. Let's talk about his buddy, his partner, Will, the guy who's got the areolas of pepperoni pizza. He has... There's a Nipplegate story because there's a picture of him and he's got these like he's shirtless and he's got like these dark giant nipples. <laughs> I mean, I I just can't even. It, it's pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> that's his uh, partner. I actually tried to look him up and see what his uh, you know, what his partner was all about and found out he blocked me. So I must have <laughs> I forgot about it. I must have ripped on him about his large areolas. His pepperoni-sized areolas. Fuck <laughs> this guy. I mean, does the does the does the good pillow get recycled and redistributed to those who are experiencing pillow inequity and racial sleep disparity for the sake of inclusion? That's what I want to know. I mean, he's he is thrilled to announce the addition of Brandon Wolf to the Good Pillow Company's activist advisory board. Brandon has years of experience in organizing for gun violence prevention, LGBTQ rights, and he's also just an awesome person. Welcome, Brandon. Well, 
Dude doesn't even have a product yet, but he's got his company's philanthropic activism ready to go. Uh, you kind of need a product when you're going to do that first. But I, it's really amazing. Check this out. This is an actual statement from David Hogg. What states would you say are the best to start a business in and why? States that are not California. Cost of living is way too high. Guess how that cost of living came about? Well, a lot of it came about because of taxes and regulations. Maybe you need to go to a red state that doesn't tax the death out of everybody and limit who can manufacture. See, the David Hogg thing is funny because he's going to make a pillow company. It's going to fail. Maybe he succeeds. I don't know. It's not going to overthrow the government, but he's going to make a pillow that doesn't overthrow the government. Not the one that actually feels good to sleep on. See, that's the difference. You know, Mike Lindell actually talked about how he stumbled across how to make it right, and it became a passion for him. There's no passion in this for David Hogg. He's doing it to stick it to Mike, Mike Lindell. And that's, that's the worst part about it. If you're going into business doing something for the wrong reasons, you're not going to spend the time to do it for the right reasons. You're going to go out and talk to all these people who are going to give you uh, pillow engineering and find out that it's not really, uh, you know, you're not just fighting with Mike Lindell. You're fighting with Sealy and Posturepedic and whatever, Tempurpedic and down the line. And those people have a passion for what they do and they're going to beat you. But here's the interesting part. It's kind of a lesson in what we have to deal with as Republicans or conservatives. I'm not a Republican anymore. After that Lincoln Project mess, I mean, Steve Schmidt used the funds to buy freaking boats, and then he resigned. Rick Wilson, a big grifter who I can't stand. John Weaver, pedophile, grooming young, young guys because he's a pedophile homosexual. I don't care for them. They are the reason why I'm not in the Republican Party because they're the ones with the Ben Sasses and the Jonah Goldbergs and all these people that are out there pearl clutching their conservatism and saying this is conservative values and they don't act upon any of the conservative values. In fact, when somebody does provide them with the conservative values, they're not cool enough to be in the cool conservative club. They don't look the part. So we can't praise it when it's in action, practical application of conservatism. We have to reject it. But as far as conservatives go, we need to look at what David Hogg is doing. He's actually doing something that I have to give him slight praise for. He's making another economy. He's making his own economy. We should have been doing this with movies. Daily Wire's doing it now. Gina Carano, who was an amazing actress on The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, my kids and I watch it all the time. We were so stoked to see them go in this direction to bridge the gap from Return of the Jedi and into uh, you know uh, the la beginning of the last three movies. And what did they do? Well, because she put some tweets up that were the most benign tweets. One was talking about the divide in America, the balkanization, you know, the sides against each other and how that's how it started in Nazi Germany with neighbors beating Jews. And that's where the neighbors were supportive. Everybody goes, how did it get to the point where people that were citizens of Germany would turn around and back government, government 
taking these people and putting them in concentration camps. I don't know. It's going to be the same way with the Uyghurs in China, the Muslims that are being put in concentration camps in China who are making solar panels for cheap. Yeah, it's going to be like that. But she gets canceled for, for silly tweets. I mean, they're actually good tweets because they make good points. But because they're on the wrong political side of the aisle, she has to be canceled. So what happens? Daily Wire picks her up because they were successful with the, uh, with the movie that they just made, which I haven't seen quite yet, but I plan on. And they want to move in that direction because there is a market for conservative content for entertainment. There is a market for conservative parlors. There is a market for conservative social media. Con- you know, we have to have conserv- conservative uh, credit card processing. I mean, we're going to have to have it down the line. So, I mean, what David Hogg's doing, as silly as it is, he goes, okay, my pillow, comfortable pillow. Maybe the left needs to make a pillow. Maybe the left needs to make a movie with, or maybe the right needs to make a movie with Gina Carano. Maybe the right needs to make a social media platform like Parler or Gab or Clout Hub, which I may have uh, one of the CEOs from Clout Hub on pretty soon. We're going to have to do these things. And what he doesn't realize is he's acting in conservatism to bloviate his revolutionary socialism. He's looking for states, you know, that are, that are very uh, accommodating to business. He's looking for how to put together a business. Now the idiot is trying to get union labor to be manufacturing these pillows. He's going to learn right there that his income statement's not going to look real hot with that, uh, with, you know, with that level of labor cost. But you know what? He'll learn that because he's 20. Because that's what you do when you're young and stupid and you're playing in a band and you're hooking up with chicks all the time and you're, you know, partying down and you don't realize conservatism, even though you know it's there, you don't fully embrace it until you're much older. You know, you're out there being the revolutionary and you're being famous because you hid in a closet next to where the gun violence was in the Parkland school And you filmed yourself going, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. And now you become the face of some gun violent revolution, you know, the gun control revolution. And you're now, your 16 minutes are up. And you got to reinvent yourself as the CEO of Good Pillow, the pillow that doesn't overthrow governments. (laughs) Now, the pillow that supports the State Department that overthrows governments under Hillary Clinton, but we don't support overthrowing governments. Right. We don't support this pillow doesn't support the color revolution supported by Hillary Clinton and John Kerry. No, this pillow is a good pillow that doesn't overthrow governments. But that's the thing. He is learning capitalism, even though he rejects capitalism. He is learning that taxation is theft and that you can't operate in certain states because of regulation, even though he thinks he's a revolutionary. But he is teaching one thing. It's time to make a separate economy. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, uh, iHeart, Overcast. Check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Download the free Roku channel. We'll be posting more of the new episodes on Roku. And if we do video versions of the show, it's going to be hosted on Roku and on our Rumble channel. Go to rumble.com and search Adrian Slade. We'll see you guys next time.